0: Welcome to the QB list fantasy football podcast. This is the week four sit start podcast. I am Eric Smith and I am joined by Ryan Heath, as always, to go through the full week slate and give you some of the tough sit start decisions. We've got our QB list staff in their respective bunkers as we speak preparing the article for the sit start article on QBList.com. So please make sure you check that out. We will cover every relevant fantasy player out there Um, but this one's going to be a little bit quicker so um, just for the intro I just wanted to ask everyone if you enjoy this podcast please rate and review the podcast we really try to respect your time here we uh, try to cut to the chase not tell a bunch of personal anecdotes just give you some interesting information for your fantasy football lineups so if you enjoy what we do please rate and review us it would go a long way and we would really appreciate it so thank you all for listening Um, as always spread the word if you can rate and review I won't ask this too often, I promise. So let's just get right into the news here, Ryan. I think the Dallas Cowboys are starting to become an interesting situation when Dak Prescott first got, uh, when he first got injured, we kind of probably feared the worst, like the season was going to go, like in the tank. Uh, Maybe they'd be running out the string towards the end of the season, but uh, they have a 2 and one record, and Dak Prescott is targeting a week six return. So with that in mind, Michael Gallup is rostered in 36% of Yahoo leagues. Looks like he's going to be returning this week. Uh, We've got Noah Brown, 19% rostered. He's been pretty good this year. He's played 85% of the snaps and has a 21% target share. What do you think of this Dallas situation going forward? And are there any ads that you would do here kind of ahead of Dak Prescott returning to action?
1: Yeah, this situation's a little bit tough to diagnose uh, because we think that Gallup is an immensely talented player, um, We, but we've just kind of been waiting for him to fire. We thought this could have been the year with Amari Cooper gone, but obviously it's taken him a while to get going, as was kind of expected. Uh, but what, what's interesting about sort of the Gallup versus Noah Brown dichotomy is Noah Brown has a 21% target share on the year. Gallup's only broken that number once in his career. It was in his sophomore year. He had just over a 21% target share. Now, obviously that's not a totally fair comparison because this is a three game sample size versus a full season where, where that's a standard we're holding Gallup to, Uh, but it makes you think a little bit because CeeDee Lamb is out there absolutely dominating the target share in this offense. 34% target share, 43% air yard share. I take back everything bad I said about CeeDee Lamb all summer. He's absolutely owning me on that. Um, it, CD Lamb's like a buy high, by the way. Like the, I think he's a high-end wide receiver one once Prescott returns. But given all of that, it makes you wonder how well Gallup's going to fit in uh he's most likely going to play entirely out uh outside in the x role uh so cd and noah brown could be kind of rotating slot and flanker a lot i don't know i don't know that i have a great answer i think that both Gallup and noah brown should be rostered though
0: yeah i agree with you and I don't know. I almost like Noah Brown more. I kind of agree with you. Gallup kind of gets pinned to the sideline as the ex-receiver. I don't know how much deep action there's going to be in this offense with Dak just coming back from injury. The offensive line's a little worse. So I've been impressed with Brown. I can't tell you how many times he's fooled me, and I have thought he's C.D. Lamb when he caught the ball. So uh, that's pretty good if you're blending in with C.D. Lamb out there on the field. So I do think they're both worth adding ahead of Dak's return. Uh, Dak is probably worth picking up. I think he's close to 70% rostered now. But Uh, Should be a pretty short matter of time here until the Dallas offense is back to something like we've seen it in the past. So things are looking up in Dallas. Uh, Let's get over to Tampa Bay for our weekly update on the Tampa Bay pass catchers. And I think it's worth checking in on weekly because obviously with Tom Brady passing the ball, not a huge running game going on there. Like there's just a lot of volume here available. So Mike will Mike Evans comes back from suspension this week. Chris Godwin got a limited practice on Wednesday. So things are looking up. It's his first practice since week one. Julio Jones has a limited practice and is dealing with a partially torn PCL, which I thought was funny today. I saw that Julio Jones is ahead of schedule in his recovery. And it was like, I haven't seen the schedule. I don't know about you, Ryan, but how is he already ahead of schedule? We just found out about this injury. So Not sure what to do with Julio there. Russell Gage is limited with a hamstring injury as always, uh, but he's coming off a 12-catch game. Like Rashad Perriman did not practice with a knee and hamstring injury. So I guess kind of my question here for you, Ryan, is should we be bailing on Julio Jones, who's still 57% rostered? Should we be bailing on Russell Gage, who's still 42% rostered? Or should we wait and see just exactly when Chris Godwin gets back on the field here?
1: Yeah, I think both Julio and Gage are fine on your roster until we know that Godwin's going to be active. But once he is, I think it really craters Gage more so than Julio. And the reason for that is Godwin plays primarily out of the slot at this point in his career. He's been over 50% of the snaps that he's played out of the slot in the last three years. That's where Russell Gage is. Once Chris Godwin is active and on the field, Russell gauge probably isn't running that many routes anymore. So I'm fine holding Julio even through this injury. I do think there's upside in this Tampa Bay offense. They've gotten off to quite the shaky start, obviously, but I think there's reason to think they'll turn it around eventually. So Julio keep him as like a speculative play for later in the year. Hopefully he gets healthy fingers crossed gauge. I think is like a fine desperation play but as soon as Godwin's active that party kind of ends
0: yeah I might be a little lower on Julio than you it's just the health and he's just such a like in-game setback risk anytime you play him but I do see the upside I do agree his role over overlaps a little less with Godwin than Gage's does so I don't know. Otherwise, I am looking to get pieces of this offense because I don't think Brady looks any worse necessarily. He's just had no weapons and, and not much blocking. So I do think Evans and Godwin will go a long way to make Brady look like the Brady of the last two years. So still optimistic there. Uh, let's get to Oakland. Uh, I don't know. Of the top baffling storylines of the year, I think this is one of them. Um, Hunter Renfro is a do not practice again with his concussion. Mac Hollins is currently the wide receiver 20 overall in the year 2022, Ryan. Uh, do we have to take Mac Hollins seriously if Hunter Renfro misses this game? Because Hollins has played 87% or more of the snaps in all three games, even when Renfro was around. He's got a 20% uh, percent or more target share in the last two weeks. Like, if you said that about any other player than Mac Hollins, I think we would take this seriously.
1: Yeah, this, this is one where I look at it and I'm like, I I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> think in this way where Mac Collins is a weekly play that I have to care about in fantasy, but yeah. he, he might be like, yeah, I, I mean, he's running a ton of routes. It's not like these are just a couple big plays that he's made his name on, but I just really the 29 year old, a six year breakout. Like I, I just can't get there. I think it's fine to roster him and see what happens. If he continues being involved after Renfro comes back, then maybe he's like a low end flex play. But I, these last couple of weeks, Devonte Adams hasn't been as involved as we would expect him to be in the offense. So I think that target share is going to shift back to Adams as the year goes on. I wouldn't take Holland super seriously.
0: Okay. Just, just figured we'd check in it. It, My one picture of him from last week is just catching a jump ball in the end zone. So I I don't know that I've exactly seen him out there dominating, but it's worth the roster spot. Let's see what happens. But I I do think he's going to get squeezed out going forward here. So, um, okay, let's wrap up the news with. Uh, The Carolina backfield Christian McCaffrey mispracticed Wednesday with a quad injury. Matt Rule was relatively noncommittal on a status who knows by the time you listen to this McCaffrey may have a full practice but it just kind of brought me to the thought of the Panthers backfield and do we even know who the Panthers handcuff is anymore. Um, first of all, because Deontay Foreman has 8% of the snaps on the year, Chuba Hubbard has 7%, neither has drawn a target. And that kind of leads me to the second question. Do we even care who McCaffrey's handcuff is at this point? Like I, this offense is bad, Ryan. So is it just McCaffrey or bust at this point?
1: It is McCaffrey or bust. Uh, And yeah, as you said, the offense is bad. Here's a couple stats to illustrate that point. The Panthers are currently 31st in total plays per game. That is only 1.3 more plays per game than the Chicago Bears, who I made fun of last week. Uh, And in first downs per game, the Panthers are also 31st. They only have 15 to Chicago's 14.3. So you, you should pretty much be thinking of this offense as the Chicago Bears, except they throw more, basically. This isn't a situation where a handcuff running back can be valuable off of a 60% opportunity share. Like even, even if we knew which player it was going to be. Um, so, but if you're in a super deep league, or if you have McCaffrey and you need a panic start for Sunday, if he's like a surprise inactive or this goes poorly, I will say uh, Deontay Foreman two yards per route run last year. That's pretty efficient for a running back. That was only, that was on only 60 routes. So we're dealing in small samples here, but I think he's who I would probably prefer. Seems like he has a little more explosiveness to his game. Uh, Hubbard was under one yard per out run last year uh, in his time filling in for McCaffrey, but he was sort of commanding targets out of the backfield Uh, 21% targets per out run for Hubbard last year. So I, Again, I think it circles back to I don't want to roster either of them unless McCaffrey is actually hurt and I'm about to play one of them because my team is bad.
0: Yep, I agree. I don't know that we would be able to predict the first week with McCaffrey missing this this split in the backfield. So if it's a multi-week injury, then absolutely, we're going to be interested. But uh, even just a one-week injury, I don't know. You could obviously a deep roster. You could you could fit one of them on your team but I think we're going to need a couple of weeks to figure that situation out if it comes to it so monitor that closely but it's just worth noting it's not the same as it used to be in Carolina that's for sure so okay that wraps up most of our news up the top we'll get to some throughout our sit starts here but we are going to move on to the running back position and the situations that are at the top of everyone's minds right now uh, that's going to be the Chicago backfield and the Minnesota backfield Um, Currently, David Montgomery did not practice on Wednesday with his injury. Dalvin Cook did not practice on Wednesday with his injury. Uh, Dalvin actually plays Sunday morning in London. So uh, you'll have to make that decision right away. But um, right now, we're trying to decide what to do with those two running backs as well as Alexander Madison and Khalil Herbert. So it's a bit of a tricky situation for both of these I kind of stick to the philosophy here that if either these starting running backs, Montgomery or Dalvin Cook are playing and active, then we are going to play them on our rosters. And I generally do not think that there's going to be enough left over for the backups, Madison and Herbert, if the starters are playing. Um, I I would kind of pencil each in best case for like a 40% snap share. That's just kind of winging it here. But do you really want to play the backup running back at a 40% snap share of the Chicago Bears? I'm not sure that we do right now. Uh, Dalvin Cook for Minnesota, like he's had this injury before. I I think he knows how to play through this shoulder injury. So if he's out there, I would expect a relatively big workload for Cook, which kind of dampers Alexander Madison's outlook. So I'm generally I'm playing the starters. If they're out, I am definitely playing the backups because they would be in a huge workhorse role. But do you have much more to add to these situations, Ryan, as we approach the weekend? Not really. I would just say that if Dalvin Cook does play, then he's one hit
1: away in the shoulder from yeah. getting knocked out for the rest of the game, most likely. Uh, like I, this I, this feels horrible to say. I don't even know if I want to utter this on the podcast. But if you're a, if you're a defender about to tackle Dalvin Cook, are you aiming for that side? Like that. That just seems so weird to me that he's gonna go out there with like a shoulder brace on and just yeah. pretend like he hasn't pop this shoulder out of his socket like twenty times in the last three years. It, yeah, it would be concerning to me, but yeah, I largely agree. If the starters are active, you're playing them, and you're probably not playing the backup.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because this is the injury that's always hanging over uh, Dalvin Cook's head here. Like we know he's got a shoulder issue that uh, has, this has happened a lot to him, and it's interesting that he doesn't wear the brace normally, but he's going to go to that this week. So I don't know. It's a it's a decent matchup for the Bears on that side playing against the giants that run game did not look great against the Cowboys, but it's also on the road. So it's, it's hard for me to get too excited about um, the bears running backs. If it's a split situation, Minnesota though, I, that's why I give Dalvin the nod here just because it's a good offense. I know uh, they're playing the saints. That's a tough defense, but at least we're dealing with a good offense and Dalvin cook. If he plays, maybe he falls into the end zone for you and bails you out. If he, if he sees some limited snaps. So I say, trust them if you have them, but if they do not play those backups are in, in smash spots, because The backups to the backups are not nearly as good. So they should see a big workload here. So um, yeah, let's get on to the rest of the running backs here. And, you know, I think it's the time of the year, Ryan, where people are looking to make trades in their leagues. Uh, Waiver wires are starting to get pretty thin here. Uh, Teams that are one and two, teams that are oh and three, they're starting to get a little desperate. So I was kind of looking through my rankings this week for some maybe buy low candidates. And I'm starting to wonder if we should be aggressively buying Alvin Kamara here. So I want to run this by you and see what you think. He returned from injury last week. The results were disappointing uh, coming back from a rib injury. But in his first game back, he played 70% of the snaps. He had an 18% target share. He's got a really good matchup this week against a Vikings defense that's allowed the fifth most points to opposing running backs. I've got Alvin Kamara as the RB8 for this year. I was checking out um, peaked in high school underscore FF on Twitter. He has a a weekly Reddit adjusted trade value chart you see in our fantasy football all the time. Um, It's it's really good stuff. You should check it out, but um, it's a, it's a trade value chart. He he's got, you know, kind of the consensus has Alvin Kamara as a tier four asset RB 14 overall. That felt really low to me. Um, I'm not sure how many running backs you can rank ahead of Kamara at this point. So I'm just kind of wondering here, Ryan, with that usage, with that target share, Are we undervaluing Alvin Kamara? Is he maybe kind of a cheap back-end RB1 that we could go out and get in our leagues right now?
1: Yeah, I don't know that I would be as low on him as RB14 for the rest of the season. I agree with you. That does seem pretty undervalued. So yeah, you could potentially go out and get a nice deal on him. Uh, Right now, Kamara has negative 3.6 fantasy points over expected per game this year. So what that basically means is based on his opportunity that he sees, uh, whether it's around the goal line, whether it's a a target in a certain area of the field, essentially, we would expect an average player to score 3.6 more fantasy points per game than Kamara has been so far. We think Kamara's at least an average player, probably above an average player. So yes, we can expect positive aggression from him. But one thing that's concerning to me is just his usage. He's only run a route on 71% of the passing plays that he's been on the field for. I guess they're keeping him in to pass block a decent amount, which is very odd to me. Why would you use Alvin Kamara in that way? He's only averaging 21.5 routes per game. Uh, Just like for some quick comparisons, Jonathan Taylor is running 27 routes per game. Joe Mixon is running 29 routes per game. Like there are running backs that are seeing better opportunity than Kamara right now, even in the receiving game that you might not necessarily expect. So yeah, I think my counterpoint to this would be go by Joe Mixon. He ranks first among all running backs with negative 7.9. Fantasy points over expected per game. That means we would expect, based on his opportunity, for him to score eight more fantasy points per game than he has been so far. So, yeah, I I would I would rate I see your Alvin Kamara and I raise you Joe Mixon.
0: Okay, yeah, I I just kind of like the price on Kamara, and I once you get past this on the trade value chart, you're looking at like James Robinson, James Connor. I I just I feel like Kamara is kind of the point of no return. So. If someone is panicking, they just see that box score last week. They know that, you know, Melvin Ingram scored a, a, t- a touchdown. Like I, I think you could maybe try to buy low on Camara, Mixon. I think is still going to get a pretty penny, but I do agree. Uh, I would expect some more touchdowns from him. That that's going to regress for Mixon. He, he's due some touchdowns. So hopefully they start this week on Thursday against the Miami Dolphins. That so should be a fun one. So okay. Otherwise, let's get on to next up on my running back list here. I wanted to highlight Antonio Gibson here. His snap shares have gone from 64% to 54% to 44% over the last three weeks. Uh, he was finally outsnapped by J.D. McKissick last week. Uh, his target share, uh, Antonio Gibson's, has gone from 20% in week one to 9% to 2%. I've got him way down at RB28 in a matchup against Dallas. Like, Yeah, that, that matchup could stay close. Washington could get a chance to run the ball a lot, but Dallas defense has been good. They've given up the 10th fewest PPR points to running backs. Uh, I think we've probably already missed the sell high window on Antonio Gibson, and we may have peaked at week one. I'm not sure that this is going to keep going down every week, Ryan, but it's certainly trending down right now. And we've got Brian Robinson looming at some point.
1: Yeah, I just to echo kind of like he's hit all of his targets have been overtaken by JD McKissick and all of his early down and short yardage work is likely to get gobbled up by Brian Robinson. So where does that leave Antonio Gibson? Uh, I guess at best, he's uh, between the 20s running back that gets like 12 carries a game. So yeah, I and I don't think you're going to be able to sell high on him anymore. So I, yeah, I, unfortunately, I don't have a great piece of advice if he's on your roster at this point. Pro- probably not a whole lot you can do.
0: Yeah, running back is rough this year. We Typically think of the, the running backs that score about 15 PPR points per game in the past. That's kind of like the Gibson range, the Miles Sanders range of years past. It's not exactly like the most flattering territory, but it's a competent PPR running back. Uh, this year, we've got about 11 of them. So um, we're, that's like an RB1 this year. Things are getting rough. The The instinct is to, I don't know, to, to be more excited about someone like Gibson just because we are seeing some workload. Just because everything else is so bad. But uh, I think there's a big flashing, you know, caution sign next to Antonio Gibson right now. So I'd be very careful with him going forward. So, okay. I don't think we've really done this yet, Ryan. I'm sure every other podcast in the world has, but I think we need to have the Clyde Edwards hilaire discussion here. He's the RB4 overall on the season. Uh, he's only playing on 41% of the snaps, though. That's behind Jarek McKinnon at 46%. CEH only has an 11% target share which is fine but not RB4 overall and he's caught 12 of his 12 targets like that's where all the efficiency is coming from he's turned that into 115 yards and two touchdowns so he's really being efficient through the air some would argue that he's on the Kansas City Chiefs offense so being efficient through the air should be expected we can debate that all we want but 12 catches on 12 targets is uh, an awfully high number so what do you think overall on CEH like Some people might argue that he could see more usage and yeah, he's going to regress with efficiency, but if he gets used more then great. Um, Do we think it's just all efficiency that's going to come crashing down? Touchdown scoring is going to regress. Do you think there's any upside here in CEH or is the floor going to fall out on us here pretty soon?
1: The upside is kind of what you're seeing right now. Like is just that he's getting it done on touchdowns. Um, I, I think one of those touchdown receptions you mentioned was one of those little like touch tap passes where it basically looks like a handoff as well. Like I I don't know that this is Ceh being so good and so efficient through the air. I think it's just variance. Um, and yeah, if you're in a league where your opposing league mates only really look at the fantasy points scored, then yeah, you should go out and sell Ceh right now. You can sell them for Crystal Lave, for Garrett Wilson for. One of these rookie wide receivers, maybe, whose role we expect to continue growing throughout the year, who have already been putting up some fantasy production, some good opportunity shares. That's the move with CEH if you're in a league that allows it. Um, As far as fantasy points over expected goes, CEH is 13th on the positive end so he's outperforming his opportunity by almost 5 full points per game right now. That that's nestled between Cooper Cup and Deandre Swift. So <laughs> uh, unless you think CEH is the type of talent that Cup and Swift are, then yeah, he he's a clear sell but everybody else in the industry has been telling you this for the last 2 weeks. I don't know that I have anything particular yeah. to add or any particular advice on how you can convince somebody else to buy into him.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of one of those spots where I think the CEH managers are the ones yelling at me because I haven't ranked RB22 and he's RB4 up for the season. And everyone else probably thinks RB22 is too high. So it's just a weird spot right now for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, like going forward, rest of the season, like I mean, how bad are we talking here? Like, would we rather have Brees Hall rest a season? Would we rather have Ramondre Stevenson rest a season? Like, it's hard for me to put a ballpark on what kind of player CEH is going forward. Like, is he just a touchdown dependent RB2? Like, does he have PPR upside? I, I just really, I know I'm not expecting RB4, but I don't really know what to do with him.
1: Yeah, I would definitely rather have Hall. I mean, we have reason to think that his opportunity shares are going to go the opposite direction that they're going to keep increasing. Uh, I think Ramondre Stevenson's a decent comparison. Uh, Stevenson's probably going to be a more efficient player on the ground, but uh, that's the chief's offense versus the Brian Hoyer led Patriots offense for at least the next few weeks. So yeah, I I think that that's a decent benchmark and obviously you and I are probably much higher on Stevenson than consensus. So I don't know if it's a great benchmark as far as like normal people go. Um, But yeah, I I guess I'd narrowly take CEH over Stevenson.
0: Well, I do think you could package him in a deal. There are going to be people with no RB2 this week and you could pencil him in as an RB2. So uh, if you're looking to get out from under him, I do think there's still a little chance, but this could fall apart real quick. I mean, for the people that think he's going to get more usage, like he's getting outplayed by Jarek McKinnon. He's been outplayed by Daryl Williams in the past. Like they'll find somebody else to come in. I just. I don't see an injury changing his usage much. So, okay. Another situation to monitor here is the Los Angeles Rams backfield. And the trend's getting pretty clear here, Ryan. Um, It hurts me as a Daryl Henderson drafter, uh, but his snaps by week have gone 82%, 57%, 50%. Cam Akers snaps by week, 18%, 44%, 50%. So they have officially converged. I don't want to play either of them this week against San Francisco. It's a brutal matchup. But I do think it might be worth putting out a low ball offer on Akers, maybe after this week if they look really bad, because the trend seems pretty clear he's going to overtake Henderson here. Now, I think for all of us that drafted Henderson, it's fine. We weren't expecting him to take over right away like this. And there's still this situation of an Akers injury. He's still going to be involved in this offense. So it it doesn't look as good as it did week one. I, I still think we're okay here. But would you agree with me that we want Akers going forward? Yeah,
1: I agree. Like you, you want both of these guys stashed on your bench for now. Um, but no, you're not you're not playing either against the 49ers. What what a disgusting game, by the way. Like 42 point over under last I looked. yeah, I I don't really want much of anything in, in this game aside from Cooper Cup, I think. So yeah, I, I would agree with your general idea. It it seems like Akers is just gonna take the lead especially if the Rams are facing positive game scripts, which I, Hey, they're underdogs against the 49ers. So may, maybe Vegas isn't all that hot on their chances to be a often winning team the rest of the year, given that. But yeah, I, yeah, just hold both of them.
0: It's a tough schedule for the Rams, San Francisco this week, then Dallas, um, home game against Carolina. That'll be nice bye week, but then San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Arizona, New Orleans, Kansas city. There's a bunch of tough teams on the schedule. So I still think this offense is going to look better here before we know it, but um, I don't know. Maybe we need Carolina to get this team back on track in a couple of weeks, so we'll keep an eye on uh, the Rams' offense in general. Okay, finally, you know, the, the end of my startable range of running backs is right around Cam Akers. I, I really wouldn't even want to start him, but he's at least theoretically a starting running back. It's kind of in that RB 34, 35 range where you've got like Damian Harris, Tony Pollard, Travis Etienne. Uh, After that, it starts getting a little rough. If you wanted someone outside of my startable range, a a true desperation play, I would check the news for the rest of the week. But I might consider Craig Reynolds in a deep league. Uh, Detroit Lions backup running back. Sure looks like DeAndre Swift is out. Um, Jamal Williams, of course, is going to take the bulk of the work here. But I would expect Craig Reynolds to mix in um, when DeAndre Swift missed last week or last year from weeks 13 to 16. Um, Reynolds didn't play any snaps the first game, but then he played 46%, 65%, and 40% of the snaps. So they've got an awesome matchup against the Seahawks. Uh, I'm not bitter at all about this, Ryan, about DeAndre Swift mitch- missing this matchup against the Seahawks. Like, I'm doing just great here. Everything's fine. Um, yeah. I'm really happy, but I, I think if you're desperate, you can play Craig Reynolds. What do you think? Is there any upside in Reynolds or are we looking at like 80% of the snaps from Williams here?
1: I, I think there is upside in Reynolds. Yeah, I I agree. We could see him in almost like a DeAndre Swift light role where I would expect him to run a decent amount of routes out of the backfield. Um, he's obviously not as explosive of a player as DeAndre Swift, but that could lead to some PPR value. Like I I could see Craig Reynolds getting five or six targets in this game. That wouldn't be completely like out of what I can imagine. So yeah, I go for it as a desperation streamer. But yeah, I, Jamal Williams getting to do this matchup against the Seahawks is just, it's very painful as someone that also has a lot of DeAndre Swift.
0: And someone who has zero, Jamal Williams. Yes. So it's it's doubly painful. So it's okay. It's This is a great season, Ryan. We're, we're doing great here. So, all right. Uh, that that pretty much wraps up um, my running backs. Like, I mean, honestly, like if your RB2 uh, is going to get 60% of the snaps this week, like you're probably doing okay. That's where we're at right now. So um, yeah, just keep building that running back depth because we're going to need it this year. So Ryan, let's get on to wide receiver. Um, man, I, I think we've talked about Devontae Smith before, but you're going to lead off with him. So what do you got this week?
1: I am. And this is like the victory lap, Devontae Smith. But see, Monday I was, or not Monday, Sunday night, I was mad about uh, Devontae Smith because <laughs> I didn't play him in DFS. But now that my brain has refocused into just normal redraft league rankings mode, I, I get to tout him. Yeah, it. I have Devontae Smith as the wide receiver 17 this week against the Jaguars, so, something that we notice a lot in fantasy football is something called the anchor effect. So, in week one, we will hyper focus on how our players perform. And that one data point from week one will generally anchor our opinion of a player long after then. We have two more data points on Devontae Smith now. Since that very disappointing week one performance, 25% target share. 34.5% air yard share I led Eagles wide receivers in yards and fantasy points the last two weeks. I I'm liking what I see. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't want to just call him the one B to AJ Brown. I think that's a little bit presumptive, but he's going to continue having good weeks. If Jalen hurts is going to keep playing out of his mind. And I think he probably will. I I mean, the best thing for, any of the Eagles passing game weapons right now is a team that's able to stay with them and keep the game close so that they're not totally taking the pedal off the gas in the second half, like they did last week. Uh, but I think the Jaguars might be up to that task. This game has a very high over under, I think it's a shootout and I absolutely want Devonte Smith in my lineup for it.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jaguars are giving up the 11th most PPR points to opposing receivers. And I mean, that's with a the game that they shut out the Colts 24 to nothing. So uh, I, I think there's some uh, some points to be had here from the Eagles. So I'm with you. I I think we're at the point in the season where you just want to play people in these good offenses. And the Eagles are one of the few that we have. So um, start anyone you can in this Eagles offense right now.
1: Yeah, agreed. All right. And kind of looking at the other side of this game. So I swear I don't do this on purpose, but somehow I always talk about a receiver on each opposing side within a game. Uh, Zay Jones, folks, he is a thing this year. And I wanted to mention him when we brought up Mac Hollins earlier, because I, th- I think Zay Jones is the Mac Hollins type of player that you should actually care about. So yes, older player, late breakout hasn't really commanded this type of target share yet in his career, but I I'm fairly convinced he's only has three less targets than Christian Kirk so far this year. We just talked about what the game script's probably going to look like. His numbers just show him as a low end wide receiver three based on his utilization and i that's how i have him ranked he's my wide receiver 37 i think he's for real going forward like i, I don't think this is a flash in the pan mac collins type of thing and he's on waivers in 73% of yahoo leagues right now that zay jones is the guy i was adding everywhere instead of mac collins this week i'll put it that way and you're it's probably not too late for you either
0: yeah i, I actually, it's too late in my home league i was literally like looking at him this morning and he got picked up so People are coming around to Zay Jones, but he is certainly still out there. Um, he's out targeting Marvin Jones, so he's up to number two, probably fighting with Evan Ingram for those secondary targets here. So, man, Zay Jones, I, he's just one of those players that's going to be hard to pull the trigger on getting them in your lineup, but I would certainly add him, put him on the bench, and let's see if, if Trevor Lawrence is just about to take over the league here. I, I, I still think there are going to be some bumps. I'm not ready to just pencil the Jaguars in as a playoff team, but it certainly looks good right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we need to talk about Trevor Lawrence now because I want, I see, I thought I could have Lawrence as a quarterback streamer, but he's rostered in 70% of leagues. So I don't, I don't know how I missed that, but either way, Trevor Lawrence is sixth in the league among quarterbacks in EPA right now. Uh, The Jaguars are running a very balanced offense. They're pretty much at league average and pass rate over expected, but Lawrence is balling guys. Like he, I (laughs) honestly feel the best about him out of, any of these second year quarterbacks at the moment, like he's outplayed even Mac Jones this year. I can put my bias aside and say that. So yeah, I I think going forward, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones are both legitimate plays just for that reason.
0: Yeah. Lawrence is so rostered because, The top end of quarterbacks have been awesome this year, but we've got a whole bottom end of the drafted quarterbacks that have just fallen off a cliff. You know, you got the Russell Wilsons, the Aaron Rodgers, the Staffords, the Trey Lance injury. Like uh, there are a lot of people that rushed out to the waiver wire over the last few weeks. So uh, quarterbacks a little rough this year. I hope it improves because uh, I could use it on a few of my rosters.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's super rough. And we'll, we'll get into how to navigate that later. Uh, Speaking of rough quarterbacks, uh, let's talk about Chris Olave and, and his quarterback. Now Uh, I have Olave ranked as the wide receiver 26 this week, uh, playing in the London game against the Vikings. So far this year, Olave has commanded a 25% target share and 43% of his team's air yards. So that sounds impressive, but also remember that Jameis Winston is still leading the league in attempted air yards. At As we would expect, Jameis is cooking or however you want to put it. I think you can just pray for a negative game script and for Jameis to keep bombing it down the field. And if that happens, Chris Olave is going to work out as a really strong, like, Flex kind of play on a lot of weeks. So, yeah, I've I've got him back to back with Michael Thomas in the rankings now. And if their usages continue to be how they are, then I think Olave is going to pass him next week.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, you almost don't have to do analysis on Olave. Like, if a rookie comes in and gets this kind of target share, like that's kind of all you need to see. So, yeah, we can be starting Olave with confidence. I still don't know exactly the path that this Saints team is going to take for the season. If they're going to ever regress to the defense first team, we kind of expected. I think maybe their defense just isn't as good as we thought. I don't know. But still curious what these game scripts are going to look like. But Olave is talented and he's getting the ball. So get him in your lineups.
1: Yeah, the the defense doesn't seem good. Their run game is dreadful right now. Obviously, we just talked about the whole Alvin Kamara situation. So, yeah, for for now, I I guess we're firing up their passing game weapons. Uh, And and then finally, another rookie that I needed to make sure we mentioned, Romeo Dobbs. So I only have him ranked as the wide receiver 45 against New England this week there's like a 10 point spread in this game would expect the Packers to be pretty run heavy. So you don't necessarily want to start Dobbs this week, but he just led all green Bay wide receivers in targets this past week. We know we've kind of had the thought that Dobbs would be used heavily down the field, but that's not what we saw in week three, just a 3.9 average depth of target. 15% 15% of the team's air yards. So if he's commanding this type of target volume and he steps into maybe like a deeper role, then I, I mean, arrows are pointing up and yeah, as you said, with these rookies, if they step in and perform, then yeah, you need them on your roster. You need to aggressively go out and buy them because they just continue to get better as the year goes on. It's the, it's, it's kind of like the hack in fantasy football as far as wide receivers go.
0: Yeah, Dobbs is one I, man, I I think I missed him this year and I'm not sure if my process was bad or if this is just one of those outlier cases here, because I think there were a lot of reasons to push back against all the hype we saw preseason. Um, But at this point, I mean, he could take over this passing game and I would not be very surprised. So I don't know. I it's there were so many options in this passing game, like you couldn't pick them all. And I think we just kind of didn't pick any of them and we probably should have taken a stand on one of them. I'll say he was
1: under 30% rostered going into waivers this week. So you didn't necessarily miss out on him just because you weren't aggressively drafting him. I may in like these deeper best ball formats that we play in because we're sickos, we should have been on him a little bit more just for that upside. But yeah, I I don't necessarily think we were super wrong in how we approach this. I'm just playing defense for us, whatever.
0: (laughs) That's fair. Well, that was pretty quick, the receivers. So I might throw you a couple uh, off script here. I see DJ Moore down at wide receiver 39. Um, So that's obviously not someone that you want to start this week. And it's someone that we're both probably feeling very uh, wounded by so far because we both love DJ Moore. But what is your rest of season outlook? Like, I think it's pretty clear that we need to wait and see something change here. Baker looks terrible. The whole offense looks bad. Uh, DJ's target share is only 23%. It's Robbie Anderson's nipping at his heels like is this full on like panic, like we're not going to see DJ more this year, or do you see reasons for upside going forward? Yeah, I'm kind of having flashbacks to what was it
1: 2018 or 2019 when I Robbie Anderson was pretty much outperforming DJ more they were both about the same in target share and fantasy points per game and it was extremely frustrating, I think we could have a year like that, except with the Panthers offense being even worse, with, as if that were somehow possible. Yeah, ba- Baker Mayfield is just the, the wide receiver one killer. I, we saw Odell Beckham just get chased out of Cleveland and then start go balling in Los Angeles after he got out of there. Yeah, I, it's hard to have optimism for DJ Moore. I, I'm not like dropping him or selling low or anything. There's not not really any point in doing that, in my opinion. Yep. I don't think you're going to get people to give you productive fantasy assets for him at this point in redraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you may as well hold him and see it. Maybe Carolina makes a quarterback change. I honestly <laughs> think Sam Darnold might be better at this point, just from a wanting to force the ball to his wide receiver one perspective. Yeah. So yeah, I try, try to get DJ Moore out of your lineup if at all possible until things improve.
0: Okay. And I've seen a lot of people this week on Reddit uh, in shallow leagues, admittedly, but I've seen people wanting to cut bait on Elijah Moore for the Jets. What do you think the outlook is on Elijah Moore with Zach Wilson coming back into the picture? Like, do you think that's enough of kind of a toss up here where we kind of want to wait and see who he likes to target more between Elijah Moore and Garrett, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson? Or is this just kind of like the rookie took over and we should readjust here with Moore going forward? I think it I think it
1: is a bit of a toss up and the reason I say that is we have an entire rookie season of Elijah Moore being very good and commanding targets it in a at higher rates than he has through these first 3 weeks. So yeah, I think it's worth holding on to him and Hoping that things flip. I even if there weren't a quarterback change, like he, Elijah Moore just saw 10 targets. I, I feel disingenuous citing target numbers on the Jets just because of how much they've been throwing, but it, it's not as if Moore is not involved in the offense. Like he's still clearly running the most routes. Uh so yeah, I think he's a talented player and that things are gonna look up for him. Moore is I if off the top of my head, about three and a half fantasy points per game under expectation right now based on his opportunity. So even naturally he would probably have gotten better as the year went on. So yeah, that that's my stance on Moore. I, I think he's a buy honestly, if, if the, if the manager is not coping like I am and believing in Zach Wilson, just to, just to convince himself that Elijah Moore is going to be good. uh, Then I think you could, I think you could go out and get him.
0: I would, yeah, I would be willing to buy on the, the, buy low on the, the target, the parts of this Jets offense that are underperforming right now. I'm a little concerned with the parts of the Jets offense that are performing well, just because with Wilson coming back, I mean, Flacco leads the league in targets or or passing attempts right now. I think that's going to come down. Wilson could certainly look rusty, missing all this time with the injury. We'll see if he's, they say he's 100%, but we'll see what he looks like out there. I'm a little worried, Ryan, for these first few weeks. So, I don't know. Let's see. This is going to be a game that we should probably focus on this week is just what does Zach Wilson look like? And what does this Jets offense look like? Because there are so many fun players in this offense, and I just want to be able to start them.
1: Yeah. And just to illustrate that point, uh, the the Jets right now only have a 1.1% pass rate over expected. So while they're passing by far the most in the league, it's because they've just been in so many negative game scripts that you would expect them to pass as much as they have been so that that is almost definitely not gonna be the case as drastically but if they keep falling out of games i mean they they will have to keep throwing to some extent i i would still think this offense is on the pass heavier side through the rest of the year so no yeah, no, I mean, manage expectations on your Garrett Wilsons and your Tyler Conklins and your your Brees Halls. Probably, probably not going to see ten targets every week going forward. Yep. But it, it's not like a. I I don't think like the sky is falling like some have made it out to be this week. Okay.
0: And just before we wrap up, receiver, do you have any kind of desperation options that you like this week? I mean, my eyes are always drawn to Traylon Burks, hoping it's the breakout week. But is there anyone for someone who's really stuck out there where you'd say, "Hey, you can put them at your flex and feel pretty decent about what you're going to get"?
1: Yeah, Traylon Burks is an an interesting one. I said it on Monday that as soon as I see a big route share from him, then I'm going to want to put him in my lineup. But I apparently I was lying. Uh, because he just ran a ton of routes and only saw two targets. So, and I don't feel good about putting him in my yeah. lineup anymore. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know if he's one that I would go to as like a desperation option. Uh, let's see where I have him ranked this week. It's going to be pretty well out of flex range. I've got him right at this horrible radio. You got a wide receiver 52. Yeah. I've got him wide receiver 52. Uh, for an actual desperation option outside of Romeo Dobbs, I think you can play DJ Chark. Uh, I, I'm not sure where his roster percentage is at, but I if Amon Ross St. Brown misses the game, uh, there's targets there to be vacuumed up. I don't know that I believe Josh Reynolds is going to continue to do that as we saw last week. Uh, and, but again, maybe that's an anchor effect. I DJ Chark had a great week. One hasn't done much since then still seeing decent target in area, Yard shares though. So I, I, that's who I would probably point to.
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's a good one. There are a lot of names on the Lions injury report this week, even Hawkinson's on there. So, uh, they may need anyone who's out there with, with a pulse catching passes this week. So that's a good one to look to. Okay. Let's get on to quarterbacks. As always, we're going to focus on the streamers here. I think as the season goes on, we may need to do a little more analysis just because there are a lot of teams with like Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford and some of these disappointing players together, but let's stick with the streamers for another week here. Ryan, who are you looking at to stream in week four?
1: Yeah, so the top streamer this week is Jared Goff. Once again, he's exactly 50% rostered now, so probably the last week I'm going to be able to say this, Uh, but The lions have the third highest implied total right now uh, heading into a matchup against the Seahawks defense. They are allowing a league high 8.4 yards per passing attempt. Uh, The Seahawks don't look like a great matchup as far as fantasy points against, but a lot of that is because they've just played some insane red zone defense that I I don't think is going to keep up. I I mean, we all got to watch uh, on that Monday night football game against the Broncos where they, simply could not punch it in the end zone like that stuff is going to tend to regress i would think the lions are able to get into the end zone fairly often this week obviously you are hoping amon ross st brown plays um that qb9 ranking would assume he does if he doesn't then goff just kind of goes down into like the normal streamer tier he would be around qb14 15 ish
0: Yeah, my home league, I have gone from Lance to Fields to Jared Goff now, so I've (laughs) really taken the other end of the spectrum. I've I've, I've given up here, Ryan, so uh, I'm in streamer territory, and we're going with the boring guys, so who you got next after Goff if if he's gone in your league?
1: Yeah, we can talk about the next two guys together uh, since they're playing each other, so I've got Marcus Mariota ranked as the QB 13 against the Browns. He is still only 22% rostered, which I kind of don't understand. Uh, I mean, Mariota's is still averaging eight rushing attempts a game. Cleveland's been a good matchup against opposing quarterbacks so far this year. They've given up 20 fantasy points per game to the position. Uh, just, like I, I don't get why Mariota's is only 22% rostered. He's, been producing as well, like it—it's it, a little crazy to me that people aren't picking this guy up. I—I I don't know if, if it just feels gross to people or what the issue is, but yeah, I—I I would be pretty aggressively getting Mariota on my roster if I'm not if I have like an Aaron Rodgers or a Matthew Stafford. I, I have Mariota ranked above Stafford this week. Like you, you can start him over Stafford. Um, but then on the other side of this game, uh, I have Jacoby Brissett. And this is prop not also not on my bingo card of quarterbacks. who are going to be streaming this, this year. I've got him as the QB 18. So about as low end of a streamer as you can get, he's only 6% rostered. Part of the reason I'm so bullish on this game is it, it kind of inexplicably has a 48 and a half point over under, which you, you would not expect from a Browns Falcons game probably, but I, both of these offenses have been relatively fast paced. And the defenses haven't really been able to stop anybody through the air. So I, I guess I agree with Vegas. It makes sense. Uh, the Browns as the favorites have the fourth highest implied total of any team this week. Falcons defense also allowing about 20 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. Jacoby Reset's been doing fine. Like he, He's the QB 17 through three games. Uh, We just watched Geno Smith kind of tear up the Falcons defense like if if we could hold our noses for Geno Smith I think we can hold our noses for Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I mean Amari Cooper is completely just dominating the targets on that team another L that I need to take from the preseason. But yeah, yeah, I'm pretty happy to roll Brissett out there, even if it ends up as like a run heavy game script where the Browns blow the Falcons out. Uh, he, I still think he can just kind of get there on safe plays and efficiency and probably a passing touchdown or two.
0: I got a couple of things on this one. So here are some quarterbacks Prasetta scored more than this year. Uh, We've got Mac Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this is wild, man. Like he's he's outperformed them through three weeks. So, and uh, yeah, this is like we talk about it every week. Like this is one of my matchups that I... I love it, and I, I'm scared how much I love it. And it's a terrible game, the Browns and the Falcons. But like, I kind of want to play everyone in this game, Ryan. Like, I don't. Maybe I guess you saying that Vegas agrees with me makes me feel a little bit better here. But I, this looks like a shootout to me. I'm not sure why, but I think Mariota and Brissette are gonna light things up here.
1: Yeah, Seahawks Lions also falls into that <laughs> into that category this week. By the way, like we're we're just wanting to play the seemingly gross games that i yeah i i agree these look like likely shootouts and that that's the world we live in three weeks into the nfl season
0: oh it's insane i saw a tweet out there showing some of the leaders after three weeks last year and they did not hold their position for most of the year so this all could change but we're trying to play trends right now and uh, the league it feels a little bit flipped upside down right now so maybe we'll normalize here eventually, but I, yeah, I say for now, play, play Marriott if you need to, he's, he's playing pretty well. So, okay. Let's get on to tight ends. Uh, we are going to start with the streamers here. Um, I did want to mention David and Joku it's cheating because he's 67% rostered, but I've got him up to tight end nine right now. If he's available in your league and you need a tight end, go get him. He's playing all the snaps for the Browns. Uh, he's third among tight ends on the year with a 90% snap share he had a 32% target share last week, nine catches, 89 yards, and a touchdown. And he's playing in this in this fast-paced, exciting Falcons-Browns game. Uh, Falcons have allowed the second-most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. So if Njoku is out there, he's your first priority. But the real streamers, of course, we're going to start out with Tyler Conklin, 36% rostered. He's the tight end three on the season in fantasy points, right? Not snaps, fantasy points. Um, I've got him tight end 13 this week. I'm a little cautiously pessimistic. Is that even a thing? I don't know. I have some reasons for concern here. Uh, CJ Uzoma was back playing his highest snap share of the season last week at 35%. So Conklin saw his lowest snap share at 80%. Like I mentioned before, Flacco leads the NFL in pass attempts. Conklin has run the most routes among all tight ends. I, I think we're going to see that regress anyway, and then Zach Wilson could kind of lower that. Uh, so I don't know if Conklin is the smash play that he kind of looks like right now, but he's still a good streaming option. And if he's out there on waivers and you need a tight end, you you can pretty comfortably pencil him in this week.
1: Yeah, I I agree completely. There's not a lot else that I would nitpick at. Yeah, I mean the the passing volume is the concern. I, I don't think that Conklin's going to start seeding routes to CJ Uzoma. I could see him being involved as a blocker. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that Conklin's going to continue running the routes and yeah, anytime you have a tight end, that's run the most routes like that guy should at least be rostered as a streamer tier type of player. So yeah. e- even if the pass volume comes down, I, yeah, I st- I still don't mind him rest of season.
0: Yeah. There are a lot of players out there that uh, people are touting who play about 50% of the snaps at tight end. So I agree. I just want guys who are out there. So I might get some pushback on this one. It's Robert Tunyon. He's 30% rostered. I've been down on him all off season, most of the season in general. I still only have him as tight end 18 this week, but I think he's in the playable range. But Ryan, I mainly want to put him on people's radar here because his snap share is slowly increasing. It was up to 58% last week, coming back from an uh, injury from last season. So it's ramping up the right direction. He was one of five tight ends with a 20% target share last week. So when he was on the field, they threw him the ball. That's a good sign, especially when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. So I'd like to see more snaps from him before I play him. But I think he could sneak into the top 12 tight ends here pretty soon. I know that's not saying much. It's tight end. But Tunyon is trending the right direction. If there's nothing and you're stuck, I think you could play him and hope that you have something going forward. So like I said, tight end 18, nothing super exciting here, but he's on the radar now where he wasn't before for me.
1: Yeah, I agree. I When I was touting Romeo Dobbs earlier, I had to do a little sleight of hand. I said that he led all Packers wide receivers in targets. And the reason I said that is because Tunyon had more this past week. So yeah, I mean, ju- when it comes to... Th- Aaron Rodgers offense just a guy that he trusts and will throw the ball to that that's Robert Tunyon when you look up and down this depth chart right now so yeah I also agree his arrow is pointing up and yeah if if those snaps do keep increasing then we he's probably is in business as a low end tight end one
0: yeah I don't think his ceiling is real high other than a touchdown dependent option he's not an explosive athlete or anything so don't get carried away but I do think we could be starting him pretty regularly going forward. He may be, some of my tight ends have graduated from streaming categories, so he may be one that sticks around for a little while. We will see. After Tunyon, it's just the usual suspects here, Ryan. It's uh, Evan Ingram, 24% rostered. He's my tight end, 14. Logan Thomas at 28%. He's my tight end, 17. They had down weeks last week, but they were on the field, you know, so nothing really changed. It's just going to happen at tight end especially for Ingram. I mean, this Jaguars offense looks great, so I don't mind getting a piece of them. And then Hayden Hurst is only 20% rostered. He only played 38% of the snaps last week. Uh, he was on the injury report though. So I, I think that's part of it. So assuming that's the explanation for that snap count, uh, Hurst is an option as long as he's got a, a healthy you know slate of practices this week. But I would prioritize uh, Tyler Conklin, Evan Ingram, Logan Thomas, Robert Tunyon, Robert Tunyon, more of a a kind of going forward multi-week play possibly.
1: Yeah, I'll just add on Hayden Hurst that the Dolphins so far this year have been the third softest matchup against opposing tight ends, allowing almost 20 fantasy points per game. Obviously, Mark Andrews was a part of that, but it still seems to, even through three weeks, it seems like it is a tendency of theirs. So I I don't mind Hurst at all. He he's the one that kind gets me uh, honestly the most excited of those final options you mentioned.
0: Okay, yeah, I would just want to make sure I looked at his injury report going into the game. I don't think he's been on it at all this week, being the short week. That's the only thing that worries me. But if he's logging full practices, then I'm right there with you. He he kind of slots in right behind Conklin, Evan Ingram for me. So he's right in that mix. So again, we just want good quarterbacks and touchdown potential. And that's pretty much what we're looking for at tight end.
1: Yep. Agreed completely.
0: All right. Let's move
1: on to some defensive streamers. Uh, I ranked defenses this week. That, that was a somewhat new experience for me. So I'm sure our defense rankings are all screwed up compared to what they would normally be. Uh, but I did write down a couple of streamers I wanted to talk about. So We've got the New York Giants. I have them ranked as the ninth overall defense this week against Chicago. Uh, do does there need to be more analysis <laughs> other than that they're playing Chicago? Like I, I just kind of, I, earlier in the show I kind of rattled off how how bad Chicago's play volume and first downs have been this year. The Giants are three and a half point favorites at home only 18.5 points implied against them like Chicago's just at the bottom of implied points every single week Justin Fields is prone to mistakes will take sacks I I mean I I know that the Giants didn't work out as a play against the Cowboys but I I don't know I I just think that the Bears offense is even easier to handle than the Cooper Rush Cowboys
0: no nah, I mean Giants at home against the Bears that that's all you had to say you got me so that's a that's a starting defense All right. And then let's also talk about the Carolina
1: Panthers a little bit. I've got them as a 12th overall defense against the Cardinals. Yes, it's scary playing a defense against Kyler Murray, but the Panthers are at home. Two point favorites, by the way, love that we're at the point where the Cardinals are underdogs to the Panthers. Uh, and, and The Cardinals are only implied for 20 points. I still have Kyler Murray ranked decently high just because he, kind of figures it out and gets it done whether it's with rushing or forcing overtime to help his stats or whatever it ends up being uh but like this could be an ugly game i mean the the cardinals wide receivers have uh, outside of marquise brown have been a a little underwhelming so far this year like i think there's big turnover potential in this game for the panthers defense that there's just a lot of things to like
0: yeah so I want to ask you here, my initial reaction was, why would you rather play the Panthers' defense versus the Cardinals as opposed to the Cardinals' defense against the Panthers? I know it's home, and I was a little bit shocked to see that, yes, the Panthers are favored. So I think that's probably the answer. But would you at all be interested in the Cardinals' defense here? Because they have had a tough schedule so far. They played KC, Las Vegas, and the Rams. So I'm not sure if we've seen a good look at, like – is their defense a dumpster fire or is it just like league average? So I guess that's my question is, do you at all consider Arizona here?
1: I really don't like, yeah, I, I would lean towards it's a dumpster fire just because that, that seems like Occam's razor with anything Cardinals right now is that it's all probably a dumpster fire. Um, I, I mean, I've got them ranked uh, further down at defense 23. So Yep. in deeper leagues that are super crazy with defenses that you could get away with it. Yeah. Um, But I, I mean, Mayfield hasn't been Mayfield, like while he has not been providing fantasy value to the Carolina Panthers, he hasn't been creating those like backbreaking interceptions and huge mistakes that we were getting from players like Sam Darnold. So I, yeah, I just don't know that the upside is actually there for the Cardinals defense. I, may, maybe the floor is fine. Like, I, I don't think the Panthers are going to go out and hang 30 points on them or, or anything, but that that's about where it ends.
0: Yeah, I mean, Cardinals have two sacks on the season, uh, no interceptions. they're only turnovers or fumble recoveries. So, yeah, not exactly an impressive slate there. So other than that, like, the only options I wanted to really highlight were I think Colts home against Tennessee is a fine matchup. I, I I think sometimes we get a little overboard with how bad Tennessee is. I still think Tannehill's fine. I don't know if this is like a matchup you're just drooling mm-hmm. over, but Colts are going to give you, I think, five-plus points. They'll be fine. And then potentially Minnesota at New Orleans, only because Jameis Winston is questionable. I think if it was Andy Dalton, that would be a pretty interesting play there. So those were really the only two I wanted to add on here to the streamer conversation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even if Winston plays like there, there's <laughs> always that chance that he's going to throw four interceptions if it's a negative game script and he's just doing Jameis Winston things. So, yeah, I I don't hate the call on Minnesota. Um, I tend to think that that's going to be a higher scoring game, but I, I mean, it is a London game. So maybe, maybe that's a maybe that's a poor assumption on my part.
0: Yeah. I haven't really quite been able to peg Minnesota's defense yet. So I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. It's been Green Bay, Philadelphia, and Detroit, and they looked awfully good against Green Bay, but that's about it. So I still kind of judgment withheld on the, on the Vikings defense for now. So maybe Winston will bring the best out of them. So, all right, Ryan, I think that pretty much wraps it up here. I'm sure hoping week four goes a lot better than week three. Um, for your team, Especially Ryan, we need a win for the Patriots here, or else our what we saw podcast on Sunday night might be a little bit rough.
1: Yeah, I just I don't know what I'm gonna do if I I don't I shouldn't even say if when I watch the Patriots get absolutely demolished his 10-point underdog like that that's that is like stuff I expect out of the Chicago Bears being 10-point underdogs against the Green Bay Packers like this I I just I don't think I've reconciled it like it it hasn't entered my brain yet that this is reality
0: I forgot it was the Packers too yeah that's that's a rough one well uh, my Bengals are playing on Thursday night so whatever happens there it'll be days removed so I'll, I'll carry the podcast if needed so all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, make sure you check out our sit start article on QB for recaps of every single fantasy relevant player uh, rate and review the podcast. If you could, we would really appreciate it. We will be coming back to you Sunday night with our, what we saw podcast, but other than that, good luck in week four. And I hope you pull out those much needed wins. Uh, we are getting towards the desperation time of the season. So let's, let's avoid those winless starts. Talk to you next time.